welcome to the Practica Podcast, a podcast where we encourage the practical application of the pulpit ministry and the local church. My name is Josh Loftus, and I'm here with my co-host, David Lawler. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing good. well. It's good to see your face. It's good to good to be seen. That's right. That's right. <laughs> did you have a good fourth? I did. I worked. Yeah. Yep. Yes, you did. <laughs> you did. Yep. 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 Did yep. any of the fireworks keep you up at night? No, they really didn't. I was so tired. I sure. Yeah. After being tired, Zonked I mean, I out. I came home. I just kind of relaxed for a little bit. I uh, smoked a few good cigars to the glory of God, and then I went to bed and got up early this morning for work. That's right. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. I Man, so here in Everett, the fireworks around us, they were going until after midnight. Oh, wow. Because I got home. I mean, it was probably way after midnight. I got home probably around, yeah, I don't know what time I got home, but it was fireworks... Late into the night, yeah. <laughs> Late in the night, there were quite a few times where I I was startled awake by uh, mortars in the sky. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's an odd it's an odd sensation, but uh, yeah. yeah, everyone got their freedom on. It was awesome. Yep, um, dude, I had the opportunity. I want to shout out one of the members of uh, of Redeemer. I want to shout out Caleb. Yeah, Spelled with a K, Caleb with a K. Uh, Caleb. Uh, spoiled me this this past week he took me fishing nice now i grew up fishing right so i grew up in eastern washington uh those who might might not know I haven't always lived in everett yeah I feel like i get a lot of flack for living in everett and then <laughs> they find out i actually grew up in washington or in eastern washington and they're like oh wait you guys give us flack i'm like yes that's how it is <laughs> um but anyway uh he he took me fishing uh, up there in skagit county and man nice. i had forgotten how much i love fishing yeah, took me out good. on the boat. Um, I didn't. I, we didn't catch anything really, um, but uh, it was still an awesome time. Got, I, I got really sunburned, so I was wearing my hat backwards. So half my half my forehead was red, <laughs> half my forehead was white. I got home and my wife looked at me. Lauren looked at me and she just started laughing. But dude, I got home like it. It awakened. It awakened like the love that I have for fishing. I got home. Yeah. I grabbed. This Amazon gift card that I've been sitting on for about a year, and I purchased a bunch of tack, <laughs> and and now all that's I awesome. need, like I just need to go get my pole, and uh, and I'm gonna start fishing again. Yes, that's, that's a lot of fun. So I shout used out to Caleb. Thank you for taking me fishing. It was a lot of fun. That's awesome. I used to go fishing a ton. That was like my kind of decompress on my day off, early morning, yeah. go fishing. It we was should good. do that again, man. We should. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's be do a it. lot of fun. Yeah. Couple lawn chairs by the river, something like that. Yeah. If you catch something big enough, man, that's your dinner. <laughs> exactly. Just yeah. for me too. My wife hates fish. So oh, does she? Has she now? Has she had it prepared right though? Yeah. Like, when she was pregnant with our first son, um, yeah. I would make her barbecued salmon. She couldn't get enough of it. So she likes barbecued salmon and she likes okay. fish and chips. If you try to branch okay. out with her any other way, she's like, no, no, not interested. Now, is it a texture thing, or is it the fishy taste? Like, like, does she want the fish not to taste like fish? It's the or... problem of everything that comes from the sea. She just doesn't like it. She There's... just doesn't like seafood in general. I mean, like, we could go down the list, and every time we go down the list, she has a new reason why she doesn't like it. 
I see. Okay. Yeah. All right. I get it. Yeah. I get. It. I got you. Yeah. I got you. All right. Well, some problems just can't be fixed. <laughs> I get it. That's okay. But hey, that that just means more steelhead for you, right? Exactly. Slap that sucker on the barbecue, and like it's all yours. Yep. Two fillets for David. Exactly. Yeah. Has she had smoked salmon? Like really good smoked salmon. Yeah, yeah. Because remember, I grew up um, in a fishing family. Oh, that's right. That's right. So yeah. you know, like my my uncle or my brother would come home, and you know, right from the boat to our table was cod and and crab oh, yeah. and all oh, of yeah. these good salmon and things like that. That's good stuff. Um, and so yeah, she's had really good fish, but still. All right. Um. All right. Hey, yeah. you know, it's not for everybody. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. More for us. All good. Yep, exa- that's exactly right. More for us. I'm not going to be super mad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, David, you got a, you got a joke for me? I came ill prepared. I I did not have a joke. I have two. They were sent in. Oh, okay. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead and hit me with them. So I make I, I, uh, I make no promises. Yeah. I make no promises on the results of these, but these were sent oh, okay. in and shared with us, and so I wanted to share them on here. They're from our Let's people. Our um, people. We love our people. So what did the dinner plate say to the other dinner plate? <laughs> well, I don't know what. This is one you entertain like your four-year-old with. <laughs> so what did the dinner plate say to the other dinner plate? Dinner's on me. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that one hurt. <laughs> uh, that's, that's bad. That's really bad. That's 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 like worse than that's 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 worse than usual. All right. Yeah. What's the second? But but there's nothing better than like telling that joke and all the adults are like, yeah, nah, nah. but then the four year old sitting oh, there is like it. just loses it. Like it is the yeah. best joke they've ever heard. So entertained. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's here's my other one. So right. my friend Joe recently went on the Dolly Parton diet. It really made Jolene, 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 Jolene. Wow. <laughs> wow. I was expecting like a nine to five punchline somewhere, but no, no. You came out you came out around around the corner with that punchline. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah, definitely so, I didn't see that one coming. So thank you to those who sent in the jokes and thank you so much. Hopefully we can get Josh to laugh one day. One day, one day you're gonna get me. It's gonna happen. Yeah. Like I, 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 I truly believe there, <clears throat> there is a dad joke out there that is legitimately funny. Just haven't found it yet, but we will. It's I think we happen. found a few. Eh, have we? Yeah. Oh, Maybe? remember, okay. remember okay. the one. Uh, um, what was I mean, it? Okay, we we found some that we can't say on air. <laughs> <laughs> like there's 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 some dark ones out there that are hilarious. But no, there was that one not you for shared. Consumption. There was that one you shared about um, uh, um, plastic surgery anonymous. Oh, that's that right. Was, it's, that it's good was to see. Good. It's good to see all. It's good to see all the new faces here. Yeah, today. yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, that one's not bad. But yeah. even that one's that one's a little dark though. That's you know, true. Like, 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 like it's 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 a little dark, right? Which makes it which makes it funny. Um, oh goodness! All right, David. Well, thank you for the jokes. Appreciate You're it. Welcome. Um, we're gonna hop into our passage for today. And uh, last Lord's Day, you were in First John chapter four, verses four through six. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm gonna read that for us. You're gonna give us a little synopsis, and then we're gonna uh, we're gonna talk about it. Sound good? Oh, yes. Before before we hop in. I have to ask, 
Did we receive any hate at all for our last episode? Uh, not that I'm aware of, no. Okay, okay, because we were spicy. I should say you were spicy. I was like, you were like a dog on a chain that I was like <laughs> holding back and then I occasionally let go. But yeah, yeah, you would not be held that. We we, we, we kind of pounced all over uh, a lot of sacred cows in our oh. last episode. So I was just wondering if, uh, wondering Everybody's if we got any, any fine. feedback. Uh, I'm just making sure. I don't, look, I'm not saying that I would care. <laughs> I think I just want to know. <laughs> I think the fact that what we were talking about were things I actually engaged with in my sermon, I think kind of uh, helps in that regard. So that's right. That's right. All right. All right. Just wanted to know. Just want to yeah. know. I'll have to check the downloads for that episode to see if they're like way more or way less. <laughs> uh, we should start naming our episodes some like really clickbaity titles, right? <laughs> the Chosen. <laughs> yes. Life or death, right? Okay. Anyway, here we go. First John chapter 4, starting in verse 4 through 6. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever excuse me, whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Well, the grass withers, the flower fades, the word of our God endures forever. Amen. David, can you give us a little synopsis of uh, this Lord's Day sermon, and then we'll we'll hop into how we apply these uh, these very very interesting verses. Yes, sir. Um, so we looked at um, in this exposition uh, why it's important to know and understand uh, that we are from God. Really, this is a is a hopeful um, statement from the Apostle John, that's really intended to give assurance um, to these genuine believers as they're dealing with the reality that there are false teachers who have gone out from them. And this is really the second portion of, of what we were covering on where John was talking about why we need to test every spirit. And so in this, we've really uh, focused a lot on why we must be both watchful and discerning as followers of Christ, really thus meaning we have to know and we have to love and we have to be growing in the word of God. Uh, Because really to say that we're from God doesn't only mean external doctrines or having some kind of education. It means internal truths. It means we've been effectually called. And out of that, it means we have a growing affection for God and his word. And so in our outline, we learned that we are from God. And so we reject worldly spirits and listen to the spirit of truth. And so as we talked about the reality that we are from God, John was really encouraging us that we're not from the world. Um, That was the reality of these false teachers. They were from the world. And we really uh, looked at the rest of the New Testament in regards to what does it mean that they're from the world? And we saw that John, like the other apostles, is really talking about the fallen world, the fallen, uh, depraved world that the ruler of this world, the evil one, Satan, the devil, uh, rules over. And so out of that, we were reminded that John tells us we have overcome 
even the workers of the evil one. And we've overcome not by our own strength or not by our own ability, but by Christ who has conquered the enemy in his uh, sacrifice on the cross. And so from that, we have great hope that we have a victorious king. And out of that, it, it enables us to reject the worldly spirits, to be able to discern and be able to know the difference of worldly spirits and the spirit of truth, as John says. And so from that, John uses this interesting language where if in the English you're just looking at first glance, you may think in verse 4, when he says we are from God, that he's just repeating himself in verse 6. But in verse 6, he's actually saying, we the apostles are from God. And so he's making this explicit claim to apostolic authority. And in that, it becomes a really important point as he walks through with the believers that these apostles have been tasked by God to bring forth the mystery of Christ, bring the revelation of Jesus Christ into full picture. And so from that, what John shows us is that the true and genuine believer receives God's word and God's witnesses. Um, Jesus had said this many times in his ministry. Um, If they listen to you, if they receive you, they've received me. And so from that, I really tried to remind us that Christianity is a confessing faith. The apostles in the New Testament are often really showing this is our confession of who Jesus is, and here's why it's so important that we reject the false teachers. And so as, as, as equally uh, important in the, in the grand scheme of things that we confess the truth, we also need to hold to the word of God. We need to listen to the apostolic message, which is the gospel. And so in this, we were reminded that the reason why we have a longing and a desire to listen to the apostles, to read and, and take in the New Testament, is because we have the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth is within us. And even I had uh, looked back to John 14, where Jesus says, um, this is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. It neither sees him nor knows him. But he says, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And so we really ended on the question of, do you have the spirit of truth or the spirit of error? And our closing question was, are you from the world or from God? And so out of that, a couple practical applications that I sought to give our people was one, really ask the Lord to search your heart, search your heart to really see, am I listening to the world in different ways that is hindering my walk, that is hindering my devotion to God? And also to take the opportunity to seek out mature believers who long to hear the voice of God in the word that they would uh, not only receive biblical instruction, but also biblical rebuke and exhortation. And so out of this, we learned the importance, uh, first by being encouraged that we are from God, and also why we need to reject worldly spirits and listen to the spirit of truth. Yeah, I think it's it's an interesting... Um 
It's an interesting application, the connection that John makes here. And and he's been doing it throughout the entire book, right? But but he, he, he makes the connection between the evidence for what you are or who you are being how you speak, right? So basically, the outflow of the truth that is within you comes forth in your actions, comes forth in your speech, right? And he says, little children, you are from God and has overcome them for who is in you. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, right? And the world listens to them. And I think we see that in our culture today in that there's so much out there that is categorized as wisdom today. And there's so many resources that we as individuals that are living in this culture can go to to receive quote-unquote wisdom so many things trying to pull our affections away and say, no, 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 this is actually how you how you need to live. This is actually what you need to see as true. This is actually what you need to see as important and worth investing time into. And the world just eats it up because it is of the world, right? The world is producing it, therefore the world is going to take it and digest it and, and, and thrive off it, right? But John's making that complete contrast is, look, if you are of God— you have the Holy Spirit residing within you that is completely and totally counter-cultural to the world that you live in. And, and and it honestly always will be. That's how it has been from the beginning. That's how it's going to be until Christ comes back, burns it all, and starts over, right? It's, it's, that's, that's the reality that we live in. And it's important that our lives, and again, this is like, this is an easy drum to beat, but I think there's a reason that John keeps bringing it up is he's showing the evidence, he's showing the application. If you're going to believe this, if you're going to be of God, you need to confess it. It needs to be something that you confess because the world confesses, right? The world has their confession. The world has their application of the truth, again, quote unquote, that they believe in. And you see that manifest in their actions, in their speech, in their affections. Everything about them is consistent with their confession, right? It's not a good confession. It's not a biblical confession. It's not a right confession. But it is their confession. It's what they believe. It's their standard by which they are they, they call themselves to live. And John is saying, look, you have that. But it's Christ. It's the word of God. It's this unmovable standard that has been there and will always be there as the standard of truth. And if you are a Christian, you are duty-bound to pledge allegiance to that and that only. And make sure that it's not just an allegiance of words only, but your speech, your actions, your affections, your desires, your motives, everything needs to be filtered through that, through that confession, right? And... I think it's it's very apropos as us as Reformed Baptists who who also have a confession. Obviously, the ultimate confession, the ultimate standard is the Word of God, but we also see the 1689 as something that we hold as this is a right and good interpretation of the, of the truths of Scripture, right? And we hold to it because we think it's right, we think it's good, and we hold each other accountable to it, right? It's not that we see it as authoritative— but we see it as a as a good standard by which to look at and be like, no, 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 that's a correct and good interpretation of how to live according to these truths that we believe in the Bible. And it's just I've always found it so interesting the 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 dynamics between Christianity and the world, 
and how the world will always take the the template that God has created and utilize it, but it's twisted, right? And that's just what Satan does. He takes the right. good things God has created, twists them, uh, and and then and then uses them. You know, he lets the world do what the world does, right? Um, but you see this template in the world as well. Uh, and it's I think that because that is true, it's even more so important that we as Christians hold to the true standard and the true confession, because that's the only way that the world is going to hear the gospel and understand the change that can happen through it. Right. Yeah. I, I think one of the things, too, that, that John seems to be focusing on is to really say what he, again, uh, he's he's almost returning to what he's really said a lot back in chapter two, where he's really saying, listen, look at the, look at the fruit, look at the fruit of their, their lives and look at Mm -hmm. the, the fruit and even, even the affection you have for producing fruit. You did not have that, uh, if you were of the world. And I had brought up Ephesians two in the first three verses, because right there, Paul says, you were once dead in your trespasses and sins, following the course of the world, uh, following the prince of the power of the air. So in that, you have a picture of what the affections and what the fruit is of the world. And John is saying, no, it's you are from God. And there's yeah. both assurance in that and there is an outline in that for living. And, and you really see um, in this, really a contrast between two worldviews. Again, one of the things that's so fascinating that John says is that the world listens to them. Mm. And, and what's fascinating is often when you look into the history and, and the details of the false teachers, the false teaching is incredibly burdensome, but also it's very luring. There's almost a luring of it where it seems appealing but you also yeah. still have to be a certain way. Um, right. And so it's not gospel. It's just a, it's like a neo-law kind of approach. And so it's very fascinating that those that John is dealing with have a very clear outline in their lives of the fact that they're teaching something that's false. And yeah. one of that key yeah. things is that the world listens to them. And I think, yeah. you know, again, what is really helpful to remember is that by John saying you're from God, they're from the world, he's really showing, uh, again, the source. And so it's not that we say things where, you know, certain things we say, the world just doesn't like them, no matter what we say. That's that's often true in certain people, but the reality is the reason why we are saying things that the world doesn't like is really because the source within us is God. Um, yep. It is not that we are speaking from ourselves, but we are speaking the truth of God's word. We're living in light of God's word. We're not seeking to live in a way that pleases ourselves or that makes other people uh, feel positive about a certain message. We're seeking to do what pleases God, and so there's a really important application there to understand that if we are from God, then we're going to be rejecting some things, and we're going to be seeking to listen to God's word, and really ask, what does God's word uh, require of me? How 
How am I able to listen to the spirit of truth? How am I able to walk in the spirit as the scriptures speak of? I think it's important also that we understand how to differentiate. Wow. Differentiate. Never mind. I'm not going to, I'm not going to try it a third time. Understand the difference between truth and almost truth, right? That kind of gets back to what, what we were talking about, that awesome Spurgeon quote, right? Discernment isn't understanding, isn't being able to tell right from wrong, it's right from almost right, right? And yeah. you mentioned something I think is very true, and I think I think kind of demands a little bit more conversation because it is very applicable, especially in the church today, is there's so many individuals out there that are claiming to be preaching the gospel that are changing it just enough for it to be damning and not salvific. Yeah. Right? And it's very important that we as Christians understand how to tell the counterfeit from the original, right? Because the subtleties can be very small, right? So something something that I have found um, as as a good barometer, it's not the only barometer, but I think it's one of the main ones. Is how how we can judge whether or not something is true, and I think we should be doing this with with everyone, right? Not just the obvious false teachers, but our elders, our pastors, you know, respected people in the reformed community. Like th- this is the one of the barometers. If we're going to be good, uh, uh, good uh, Bereans, right? That we hold everything accountable to the Word of God. One of the ways that we can begin to decipher whether or not something is true or almost true is what does it say about the person of Jesus Christ? What does it say about his gospel? Does it alter it in some way? Because a lot of these, um, a lot of these, you know, gospels that are preached today by the, by many teachers, if you begin to listen and apply the theology that they are saying is true, you will begin to see a pattern, and that pattern is usually—I mean, I—I I, I would say most of the time—a pattern that alters the person of Jesus Christ in some way, away from what Scripture tells us about Christ, and therefore, at the same time, by proxy, alters the gospel. Yeah, and it turns in—it turns it into either. A gospel of works, where it's something that we need to activate, something that we need to sustain, something we need to earn, or God's favor is something that we can buy through tithes and offerings or good behavior, or it goes on the other side of the pendulum, and it's a gospel of cheap grace, that God doesn't care what you do, it doesn't really matter, you're saved, once saved, always saved, right? So you can live however you want, and it's this lifestyle of just, just, basically no change whatsoever no standard no no calls to repentance and it might not be that it might not be that obvious right the preacher might not be up there saying you know you can do whatever you want it's okay if you're saved if you said a prayer if you believe this if you you know if you said if you said this and you were baptized you can do whatever you want it's it's normally not that obvious but if you listen with a discerning eye, right, or I guess it would be a discerning ear, uh, you begin to see and to hear how the theology that they espound leads to those conclusions, right? And that that is what I think a mature Christian seeks to do, 
is constantly be listening and, and, and filtering what you are hearing through that template. What does this say about Jesus? What does this say about the gospel? Does it alter it from what scripture says? And if it does, mark that as a red flag. Yeah. <laughs> Massive red flag, right? Right. And, you know, one of the things I had mentioned in my sermon was the reality that often when people, and this isn't always the case, but oftentimes when people hear a teacher say something that is almost right, it seems to bear some mark of truth. The tendency then is to stop examining anything else. Um, they don't they yeah. don't seek to examine their whole life and their doctrine. And so to listen with a discerning ear really means we have to listen to everything. And and you know that's one of the things I've had people send me stuff and say does how does this seem off to you and and I definitely think that is one thing um that the church should understand it has um for its care and that is pastors. Um again Titus 1.9, Paul tells the young pastor uh, that an elder must be able to teach what accords with sound doctrine and refute those who contradict it. Um, He has to be able to be discerning, both to be able to rightly preach the whole counsel of God and to discern what it isn't. And so when you have people, when you have sheep who uh, maybe don't know all of the depths of theological truths and and not to say that all pastors know everything and I don't think there's more than one which is Jesus um and so all of us um under shepherds um must still seek to be maturing and and so in that I think that's a great care for the people of God to ask their pastors uh, the problem though is that and one of the difficulties I would say is that we tend to look at the application of needing to be discerning as a Christian through the lens of modern culture. And so, for example, you often hear people say, oh, got to be a Berean. But what's funny is to be a Berean, if we're really going to apply the what's said there in Acts, Bereans are not individuals. Bereans no. are not on their no. own. When the Bereans are together, yes. When the Bereans are mentioned, that's corporate. That's corporate. Great point. And so, confessing the faith and 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 seeking to be mature about the faith means we actually need each other. Um, Yep. We need to be discerning together, and and again, it means challenging those that are a little bit weaker to say, hey, I, I understand that some of these terms are bigger for you, but write them down and let's talk about them. Because you can take information about your favorite football team all day long, but I say propitiation and you still can't remember what I said. And so, again, I don't think at all we should be jerks about theology, but I think we need to to remember that to be Bereans, to be discerning, the church needs one another. I, I honestly think that's why John is saying at the end, when when he transitions to say we are from God, which is the apostles, and he's making that claim to apostolic authority, I think it's also an important application that the very next thing he goes to, uh, which we'll cover this Sunday in our exposition, is to say we must love one another. We need mm-hmm. to love one another. Because 
you have a negative reality of these false spirits, but we have the spirit of truth. And so it must not be used simply for um, just noticing when things are wrong. It must also be that there's an application of doing what's right. And right. so so again, we're reminded in this, I think, a really um, important piece that, that John is going to get to that we'll cover this Sunday is the reality that if we are from God, then we are with one another. We're in fellowship with God and we are in fellowship with one another. And that means when we talk about discerning the spirit of error and all of these false teachings that the world listens to, uh, we really need one another. We need to know who are mature believers that I can go and ask um, that can help me. And, And not just because they're the one and I never will be, but that we also might grow into that maturity. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what that's what we do for one another, right? That's what being part of the body is all about. And that's how we that's how we mature as Christians, right? The 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 people that are, you know, in church leadership, we're discipled by somebody, right? We we have all been at that point of being an immature Christian. All of us have, right? That's what sanctification's about, right? But the point is not staying there, right? The point is not continuing to be the weaker brother, right? The point is that our convictions become strong. The point is that we begin to grow in maturity and grow in the greater knowledge of the gospel, knowledge of scripture, knowledge of the whole counsel of God, theology. Like, like all of this is something that, that we are on a lifelong journey of, of engaging with until we enter into the gates of, of heaven. And then it's an eternity of learning of who, about who God is and how, how immensely powerful and wonderful he is, right? So we never stop learning, right? And I think for a lot of people, uh, just I think there can be some embarrassment. I think there can be some shame, especially perhaps Christians who are older in life, right? Who are just now maybe taking their their walk with Christ seriously. Uh, and I think there can be some regret there, right? Which is why it goes back to what you were saying. Don't be a jerk, right? Understand that all of the knowledge that you have <laughs> yeah. has been given to you by grace, that the only reason you understand these doctrines and understand, you know, how how these link together, you know, these truths link together in Scripture is because God, through his spirit, revealed it to you the exact same way he's going to reveal it to them. Right. So, yeah. you know, the, the, the cage stage when it comes to theology or, or the doctrines of grace is, is, is simply unnecessary. Uh, and it's and it's and it's, it's honestly it. it a prideful Calvinist should be the biggest oxymoron that there is, right? It's because if we're going to truly believe in the doctrines that we say we believe in, it should make us very humble and understand, yeah. like, we are we are here to encourage our brothers and sisters in and to convict, to encourage through through the scriptures, right? And that's what we have in uh, what is it, Second Timothy three sixteen, right? And the list that. Paul gives Timothy there of all the things that Scripture can do, right? So all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be com- completely equipped for every good work, mm. right? The Word of God yeah. has everything that we need, and God has given you brothers and sisters that care for you, that love you, and that want to help instruct you in that just as they were instructed. And just because you might be in the position of instructing does not mean that you are beyond instruction. 
right? Yeah. And just because you are in the position of being instructed does not mean that God cannot use you to instruct someone else. Yeah. Right? That's that's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the power of Scripture. Yeah. Is that the maturity level, although we want to become more mature, the Spirit can use you because the Word of God is alive. It's active. It's sharp. Right? And it'll cut and cleave where it wants to, and it will use who it wants to. And that's why we should be even even more so motivated to be living a life that is in accordance with the Scripture, but also immersing ourselves in it, immersing ourselves in the knowledge of who God is, because that gives us even more arrows in that quiver that the Spirit can use to confront, convict, and encourage. Right, And that's what being part of the body is about. Yeah, absolutely. And and so I think with that, I think one of the important things when when we start to think, okay, how do we discern the spirit of error and how do we grow um, in in the spirit in, of truth within us and grow in the in the word? And I, I think, mm-hmm. you know, something we've talked about before that is really important to me is the is the value of asking questions. Uh, I think at the worst state of our immaturity, there's some space where we have stopped asking questions and really just made assertions. And so I think it's a really important thing that when we are, whether we're dealing with one another about an area of immaturity or we're dealing with our own immaturity, and hopefully that is something we are willing to do is deal with our own immaturity, um, we need to ask questions. It's why I, I love asking questions throughout my exposition and even why um, I have a series of questions that I ask myself throughout the week uh, when I'm studying because I think questions become such an important part of really examining, you know, not only what is this, you know, text that we're dealing with saying about God and what does it say about how am I to apply the word, but also there are some other questions that I think we need to ask. I mean, you know, one of the first ones in my study of my expositions is to ask myself, have I truly read, reflected, and prayed? on the passage of scripture have i understood confessed and applied this passage its doctrines and its applications to my life and so in that i i think when we think about how we are to be discerning how we are to uh, listen to the word of god the apostolic writings i think we are reminded in in the scripture how important it is to begin with uh, going before God in prayer and really beginning to ask questions and not making assertions, but really seeking to have the Lord guide us in applying the word. Yeah, absolutely, man. I think questions are very important. I think questions, even rhetorical questions, get us thinking in in a way that just uh, that that assertions will fail us, right? Right. I mean, go back, go back to the garden. Right. God asked Adam and Eve where they were. God knew where they were. Right. But God asked questions because he want because he knew that that is a a a, that is the best way to get to the heart of the matter. (laughs) God wants to know, you know, why why are you naked? 
How do you know? <laughs> what happened? Where are you? God yeah. knows the answer. He answers all this. He's not curious, right? But asking questions is a fantastic way for us to begin to think and process and utilize those tools, right? Because if we just make the assertion, well, then the work's done. You know, you didn't really process anything. You really didn't. You really didn't engage with it. You really didn't have to actually actually kind of flex those those muscles that that you have, right? But if you ask the questions and you engage with it in that way, it actually begins to 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 form that 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 behavior in your head as okay. Now, how do I answer this? What's the standard that I use to answer this? Uh, you know, how how does if this is true, how does that reflect on again Christ and His gospel? If it's not true, how does this reflect on Christ and His gospel and the greater you know the greater authority of Scripture? Right, and and you begin to you begin to have these questions floating in your head that are just the standards that you ask. Right? Does this contradict Scripture in this way? Does it contradict Scripture in this way? Uh, and it just becomes second nature, right? And that just comes that just comes with time. Right? Yeah. It's still things that I'm learning. It's still things that I'm learning. Right. Right. Is how to how to best answer and how to, you know, you know, say say I'm putting putting a sermon together. Right. Um, I still am learning the best questions to ask myself. Right. When I'm looking at a passage, because you could just go, OK, I'm going to talk about this first, talk about this first, talk about this first and then be done. Right. You could do that. But I think that begins. I think that kind of misses the point especially if you're going to be asking the okay what's what's the greater what's the greater message here obviously we're going to go verse by verse but but what is what is John saying in this passage how is how how does this uh you know um uh, relate to the greater scope of the book as a whole how does this uh, relate and and how can i take this and do what i'm supposed to as a preacher and make a beeline to Christ in his gospel how do i do that right how do i do that effectively in a way that 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 doesn't contradict any truth in a way that is actually uh you know, coherent and consistent with what John has in the rest of his passage here, right? And these questions are good to ask because they keep you focused, right? And it's a fantastic way to kind of keep the main things the main things uh, and uh, not not get distracted or caught up in the weeds of theoretical discussion, which is where so many new theologians like to go. Uh, and, And I am guilty of this. Very much so. Uh, it's easy and it's fun to talk about the theories and the theoreticals and the philosophies of the thing. And there's a place for those discussions. I'm not saying don't have them. But when you're trying to discern truth, go to the Word of God. It has to be your standard. Ask those hard questions and be honest with the answers, right? Yeah, I think as yeah. as, as John is talking about listening uh, to the the Word... Um, to listening to the apostles is what he's is what he's saying. I think again, uh, James's words are also very helpful uh, to remember that that what John is saying in First John chapter four is not hear what we're saying. He's not just saying listen to what we're saying and then forget it. He's saying don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer of the word. And so yeah. the apostle is saying they listen to the instruction. And they apply it to their lives. 
it's yep. like a it's like a parent who's trying to teach their child. Listen, listen to me. I'm going to give you an instruction. What did and, I say? Yeah. What did I what say? Did, what did I say? And John's a great right. example of that because he's almost like, what did I say? I'm going to say it to you again, but differently. Yeah. You know, he's, that's right. He is. He is like a father. He's very because he knows people like me are reading, and I'm stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say it to you like I'm going to say it to you like you're five. <laughs> exactly. And he he is giving us application, and so I think. If we if we are examining the truth of God's word, we can't just go, okay, I gotta make sure I memorize it. I gotta make sure I read it all in detail. We need to read it in the context of Bereans together, where we're where we are together saying, How then shall we live? How should we apply this? And that's why I think John reminds us that we have the spirit of truth. That we may mm-hmm. that we may go before God and say, Lord, help us, help us to understand Your Word and help us to apply it to our lives. You can't do that if you don't gather with the people. <laughs> yeah, you can't be an island. I just felt like dropping that. Yeah, if you're not gathering, if you're not gathering with the people, you can't you can't do this. It's yeah. just like it's not how we're designed, right? You have to be gathering with God's people on the Lord's day. You got to be in each other's homes. You got to be invested in each other's lives. You have to, you have to be known. You have to be, you have to be real. You have to be transparent. You can't be fake. Well, if you look Um, at it, the very next application is John saying, love one another. And he's talking about the local church. So there's, there's a little looking ahead to next week. That's right. That's right. I love it, man. I love it. Well, I think, uh, I think, uh, I think we've wrapped this up. We've gone, uh, we've gone over our time, but what is we have what not is our gone time? over our that time? Is, like, we've been going forty five minutes. Oh, you're so used to your like little podcasts con- where you got to keep people's attention oh, for thirty minutes. Are you going to? P- oh, this, okay, this is are a church have, podcast. You're fine. Are you going to? <laughs> <laughs> I just really enjoy picking. Words. I enjoy picking. Yeah, I was going to say you are you are getting angsty. <laughs> you are you are coming at me where you know it hurts. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll just, uh, I'll just. Uh, you, you don't know, I don't, got I don't no have time to do limits. You're fine. You know, you know, I don't have to do this. You know, I could go to my other little, my other little podcasts and just, you know, do all my time there. Yeah. <laughs> just, 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 well, just a little look, one. Just look yeah. on the bright side. When you do one of okay, your next podcasts, that? it won't yeah. be this long. It won't be. No, no, it won't be. Because <laughs> we care about our listeners. Oh, sorry. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we thank you guys for listening. You can head on over to uh, all the socials Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at Practicapod. You can head on over to practicapod.com and uh, catch up on the latest episodes. Little contact form there. If you got questions, comments, you want to rail against David and I for uh, anything that we have said. <laughs> like how uh, long currently. the episodes are or. Not long hey, enough. I'm just looking out for I'm just looking out for our people, right? Look, if you're gonna look, you forget I do this, I do podcasting stuff for a living, right? You have to either make it you gotta find the sweet spot. You either ought to make it a commute's length, which is a half hour, you know, thirty five minutes or less, or you gotta go the full like hour twenty, you know, hour ten, so that it's two commutes lengths. We're we're right in the middle. We're 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 gobbly goop in terms of the <laughs> analytics of podcast repertoire like 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 So what I'm hearing you say I'm is I'm just I'm it, coming at it from a business standpoint, right? And just 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 how how the times and the podcasts all work together and all this stuff. I'm just saying, I'm just trying to trying to kick you some knowledge, but if you don't want it, you just have to say so and you throw your passive aggressive comments <laughs> behind you with the chosen. 
<laughs> and with Caleb. <laughs> no passive aggressive at all. What I hear you saying is, what yes, I hear you yeah, saying yeah, is, yeah. Tell me, we need tell to me start. what you heard I said. Yeah. <laughs> I heard you say, now it needs to be an hour yes. and 20. See, that's what I was afraid you heard me say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I knew, I knew that's, I knew that's what you heard me say. Um, so yes, you know, next time I'll say it to you like you're five. There right? you go. That will help me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. But the problem is, like, yeah, exactly. Please, that, please that uh, would help all of us. Please bring coloring pages as well. It will help me kind of. Uh, yes, stay. and the really fat crayons, the one that he can like put in his fist and hold like a knife, you know, and yes. then, you know, like that. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. He doesn't like the small crayons. Yes. The ones you got to hold like chopsticks. It just, exactly. Yeah. Somebody give me a he big crayon to, to follow along with Josh. David David does not observe lines. He wants to color that whole page. It's true. <laughs> All right, we should get out of here before people actually think that we're serious and actually frustrated with each other. <laughs> and not just witty witty banter. <laughs> guys, we thank you guys for listening. Uh, we appreciate the the comments, the reviews. We got some reviews on iTunes, which is nice. Uh, we're up to like five five stars right now, dude. We're we're a five star podcast. Nice. Look at us. Look at us go. I like it. We thank you guys for listening. We hope it's encouraging to you. We will catch you on the next episode of the Practical Podcast. Have a good week.